Hi there, everyone. Michael A. Bryan from the Oraculous School of Astrology, and welcome to Michael Fix My Stars, my new astrology hotline where I help real people troubleshoot real challenges that they face within their lives using the wisdom of astrology. In this question, this caller wants to know whether or not she will remarry and whether or not it's possible to speak about a second marriage from the perspective of the birth chart. Now, just to give you the chart information, this caller was born on the 17th of October, 1989, at 10.24 p.m. in Guadalajara, Mexico. And the ascendant that you should get is 28 degrees Gemini, 49 minutes. The midheaven is 18 degrees Pisces, 22 minutes. Our natal charts show us the greatest things that impact our lives within this lifetime. And so what we find within natal astrology is the ability to describe the major events that occur within our lives and the major formative events that leave the largest imprint on our lives regarding the various topics of our lives. So your seventh house which is the house that we go to to look for marriage within this lifetime, is going to be a house that more specifically describes your primary marital event or your primary experience of being in a marriage. So the largest events that occur within your marital life are going to be described by a seventh house. And usually those events happen within the context of a person's first marriage. And this is a bit of a philosophical piece because the question is, what do I see when I look at my chart? Do I see room for evolution or do I see my life only as it is right now? And more often than not, if you've been married before and you've had a divorce, then your chart is going to show that initial marital experience. It's kind of like our chart showing us our initial pregnancy experience, if you're a mother and you've just had a child, or if you've only had one child, or even if you have multiple children, our charts usually show us our first experience of things. And so that could represent more fully your first child in the same way as it could represent more fully your first marriage. Similarly, within our charts, we oftentimes see the reality of who our family members were within our lives growing up. So we oftentimes see who our parents were, not necessarily who they become after we ourselves are adults, but we see who our parents were and how those events surrounding our parents specifically create the sorts of people who we ultimately become within this lifetime. So I think it's important for us to know that our natal chart has a stronger connection to this idea of first experiences than it does to second or third or fourth or fifth experiences. And this reminds me that in Latin, the name for the natal chart is the radix. And radix is Latin for root or the foundation upon which something is built. And I think that this word root makes sense within the context of this question because our root experiences are oftentimes the experiences that we find within our birth chart. So if you've been married before 
or if you've been married three times before and you're now on the cusp of your fourth marriage, the question becomes, is my fourth marital partner going to show up within my chart just as strongly as the first one did? And the easy answer for me is oftentimes no, because our natal chart is always going to show us the primary event that has no fluctuation. What is the thing that happened? When did it happen? When was the first time it happened? And how is that a fixed reality within our lives? That's usually what our natal chart shows. I think this is also important to bring up because it also gives us a certain amount of freedom within our lives to create a different story. So for example, within this birth chart that we see on the screen, this native is having Uranus in the seventh house. Uranus in the seventh house is one of the signatures, and I, I don't like the word signatures, I think it's overused in astrology, because very often when astrologers have this word signatures in their mind, they go into charts specifically looking for these single statements to validate whatever they're going to say. And as you know, I think that that's quite a stupid thing to do. So I don't like the word signatures, I don't like a lot of things, but I definitely don't like the word signatures, so I won't use it. Uranus in the seventh can be one of the factors that contributes to somebody having a divorce within this lifetime. Rupertus Stella, in his book, The Astrologian's Guides to Horary Astrology, says that if Uranus is in the seventh house in a question pertaining to love, it can oftentimes bring about everything other than love, and it can oftentimes bring about the end of the relationship in the strangest and the most curious of ways. So what this indicates from a horary perspective, and what we oftentimes find within horary charts having to do with love, is that when the person has Uranus within the seventh house in a horary chart having to do with love, that oftentimes can indicate that divorce is likely going to be the outcome of the love question they're asking. And because of my own horary practice, I've also found that when a person has Uranus rising within a love question, or when a person has Uranus in the seventh house in a love question, either of these two terrestrial locations of Uranus can indicate divorce. And I'm going to share with you all of my horary secrets in my upcoming book, Horary Astrology and the Natal Promise, which is coming out by spring 2024, the latest. And I'm saying spring because I'm trying not to stress myself out by telling you any earlier than that. Uranus in the seventh house is one of the things that specifically indicates divorce within a person's lifetime from a horary perspective. And this is also something that can follow through into natal astrology as well, especially if there are multiple corroborating factors that support that statement. What we also see within this chart is that she's also having Saturn within the seventh house. Whichever house we find Saturn in from a natal astrology perspective is going to be the house where we do our largest amount of learning within this lifetime. So if you have Saturn in the first house, the largest amount of learning you might have to do is learning regarding your physical body and how you physically exist within the world because your physical body may be your largest learning curve this time around. If you have Saturn in the second house, then your financial life might be your largest learning curve this time around. And so it goes around the 12 houses of our chart. 
When we have Saturn in the seventh house, it indicates that love and romance is going to be our largest area of learning and challenge that we have to face within this lifetime. And she is most definitely having Saturn here within the seventh house, which is saying that love in general is going to be a major topic for her because love in general is going to be a major challenge for her. She also has Neptune here within the seventh house. The reason why I'm assessing the Uranus, the Saturn, and the Neptune as being the planets that are located terrestrially within her seventh house is because determination by location is immediate. And what that means is that where a planet is in terms of the house location of a planet is oftentimes going to indicate where we experience the impact of that planet most strongly within our lives. So even if Saturn, for example, is ruling another house, for example, the Saturn rules the eighth house, which could be an indication to us that the previous husband's money was probably something that he gained from an entrepreneurial endeavor and therefore there is this very strong leaning towards entrepreneurship within the ex-husband's life and it's also ruling the ninth house and with it ruling the ninth house that can be an indication that the previous partner was probably someone who was from abroad. And the reason why we say abroad is because the ninth house is the house of foreign travel. And if we have the ruler of the ninth house in the seventh house, that either can indicate somebody who we meet from abroad, or it can indicate somebody who we meet at university. And the reason I say university is because the ninth house is also a house of higher education. Or it could be that I meet my foreign lover in university. All of these things tend to be true when we're looking at that topic. Since we brought up the issue of the foreign lover, it is worthwhile for us to go and explore how this might potentially show up on the midpoint listing. Because very often when a person has Jupiter on the sun moon midpoint or Jupiter on their Venus from a midpoint listing perspective, it can indicate that that person is having a lover who is from overseas. So I'm pulling up the 64th harmonic and I'm going to look for the sun moon midpoint, which is at 3 degrees 14 minutes. And at 3 degrees 14 minutes within this chart, we have the sun moon, but we don't have it anywhere near the Jupiter, but what we do see is she has Venus at 3.04 landing on the Sun-Moon midpoint at 3 degrees 14 minutes. We usually give the 64th harmonic a 15-minute orb, and so this Venus is well within our 15-minute range. What this can be an indication of is that her previous partner could have been someone who was very physically attractive because Venus on the sun-moon midpoint could be the physically beautiful spouse. Or it could also be that the previous partner was somebody who was an artist or working within an artistic capacity because Venus on the sun-moon midpoint can indicate that I am falling in love with someone who is a visual artist, a performing artist, someone who is beautifying the world around them in some way or making the world become that much more aesthetically pleasing. Venus has to do with people who know how to smooth out the ugliness of human life and turn it into beauty. And that's something that we oftentimes find from artists, but it's also something that we oftentimes find 
within the charts of people who do counseling or something to that effect, where they get in between the ugly quarrels that might be going on between two groups of people and they help to smooth out that relationship that they may have. Now that I think about that, I guess lawyers kind of do that as well. And law is kind of a Venusian field. However, it's not as Venusian as being a visual artist. So that's what we find here within this chart in terms of the Venus on the sun moon midpoint. What we also see, however, is that she has Venus on the Neptune node midpoint, which is one of the things that we look for in terms of divorce. Having Venus on the Neptune node midpoint is saying that my intimate connections are disappointing and they might ultimately lead to me experiencing disappointment in love. Now we notice that she has the Neptune within the seventh house already, and very often when people have Neptune in the seventh house, it can be an indication that their partner is someone who was too good to be true to begin with, and they got in a relationship that was probably too fast, and as a result of that, they only realized how bad it was later on. Uranus in the seventh is running into love quickly, but also leaving love quickly. Neptune in the seventh is, I idealized my lover. My lover looked far too good to be true. And as a result of that, I was swept off of my feet by love. Whenever we have a Venus-Neptune story within our natal charts, it's not appropriate to get married within that period of time. So sometimes people have the transiting Neptune coming to their Venus and they want to fall in love. It's the worst time to fall in love. You will be severely disappointed by that love connection. Sometimes people have the transiting Neptune conjunct their seventh house cusp within their natal charts. Awful time to pledge your undying love to someone because it's likely going to end up in disappointment. So these are just things that are important to be mindful of in general, and she has it going on. She has the Saturn natally applying to the Neptune with the Saturn ruling the 8th house, and that could indicate that her partner probably wasn't someone who had a great amount of financial sense, or that her partner wasn't someone who made a lot of financial sense because maybe the partner was making money through his entrepreneurial efforts and then losing that money at the same time that the money was being made. So this is an indication that money was a primary challenge within their relationship and particularly the ways in which the partner was using his own money was a major challenge for the native within this relationship. We see the native is having her own ruler of the second house in the 12th house, which is indicating her own fair share of financial challenges. But we do see those financial challenges being amplified based on the partner's presence within her life. Because the moon ruling her own second house is picking up the quincunx from the Neptune in the partner's own first house. And that could indicate that the monetary story between my lover and I was a huge part of what was complicated within our relationship and it's probably a contributing factor to why we had to end the relationship because my partner wasn't making sense in terms of what he was doing with his own money and that was having a negative impact on what I was doing with my own money. So that's something that we also see in terms of this. Now when we look closer at the chart we see that she's also having the partner 
as Jupiter at 10 degrees Cancer, 40 minutes, rising within her chart with the Jupiter ruling the seventh house. I personally never like when a person has the ruler of their seventh house in their first house. Because why are you so close to me? Why are you all under me? Why can't you be in your own house? Why do you have to come into my house? So very often when we see that, we see a partner who's taking up far too much space within the life of the native. And as a result of that, it isn't really allowing the native to have a real sense of her personal autonomy or freedom within the relationship. Because even when she looks within her own body, she sees that person present there as well, which is too close to comfort. Like, you know, can we have six feet of distance between us? Basically is what we see when we see this. So chances are within her interpersonal relationships, she is possibly allowing or facilitating the partner or particularly the ex-spouse within this question to take up too much of her personal space and too much of her personal freedom. And that person could have been far too strong of an overwhelming presence within her life as a result of that. Now, this person is in an opposition to Neptune. And when we have a partner opposite Neptune, it says that our partner is a dreamer, which could be a very nice thing if those dreams actually made money. And so she has the partner opposite Neptune, which could be indicating that the partner is a dreamer. And it could also indicate that the partner is someone who does not have a singular sense of direction within his life. And this could have also been a contributing factor to the reason why the two of them separated. Neptune is representing someone who is as decentralized as the ocean. And as a result of that, it might make that person feel very challenged in terms of really figuring out what his purpose is within this lifetime. So earlier we said that the person is an entrepreneur. Anybody can call themselves an entrepreneur, but not everybody who calls themselves an entrepreneur is actually an entrepreneur. Some people are entrepreneurs because that's a fancy word for saying jobless. So we said that this person was an entrepreneur, but probably a part of the entrepreneurial thing was that he had no financial sobriety, he had no financial ability to keep his world together, and as a result of that, he was just swimming purposelessly within this person's life without necessarily having a sense of direction. Now, people like that, especially men like that, is a bit of a challenge, especially when it shows up within the charts of their wives, because it can end up meaning that possibly as a result of my partner's lack of self-motivation, I found myself having to be the one who had to maintain a stable house and home. I found myself having to be the one who had to maintain a sense of structure and order within the household. And that could have been something that also manifested within the context of this relationship. We see the partner is also opposite his own money, and that could further be an indication that my partner doesn't know how to make money make sense, and therefore the monetary responsibility within this marriage is falling on my shoulders, which can be a lot to deal with, and it can definitely also be a lot to deal with if there are children involved in the situation. There are certain things within this chart that could be an indication that children aren't involved in the situation. She has Mars and the Sun in the fifth house, 
And the ancient Indians had this thought that women who had Mars and the sun within the fifth house were less likely to have children within this lifetime. Oftentimes, having just the sun in the fifth house could say that I have one child and one child only, but that's kind of me in the 21st century trying to amplify an ancient aphorism. The ancient Indians pointed out that if a person has Mars and the sun within their fifth house, it can indicate not having children, and that could be something that we see. One of the things that I've noticed within my own practice is oftentimes when women have the Pluto within the fifth house, that can be an indication that a part of why they're not having children is because they don't want children, and that's something that we see going on within this chart. We don't know if that's the case with her, but that does tend to be the case in general outside of the context of this specific reading. So all of these things collectively can manifest as a very real source of stress within that previous relationship. Now, the reason why I took so long to explain all of that is because the question then becomes, is this something that she experienced within the previous relationship? The partner who had no sense of direction and also didn't know what he was doing with his money and therefore he was wasting his money, which was also putting a burden on my money as well, which also made it that much more difficult for me to feel as if I had financial freedom within my own life, which also put the burden of keeping the house together on my own shoulders that much more strongly. And in the process of him not knowing what he was doing with his money, he also wasn't knowing what he was doing with his body. Jupiter and Neptune, with the Jupiter being the partner can sometimes indicate that there's an infidelity streak within the partner as well that causes the partner to want to find love in other places, probably even while we're still in a relationship. So the Jupiter-Neptune could be that the partner has an addiction to other women, and as a result of that, that's a part of what's not so good within our relational connection. The Jupiter-Neptune could also just be an addiction in general. And more often than not, Neptune is representing an alcohol addiction that might possibly also be within the situation. So all in all, no matter which way we flip or reverse this chart, we see these issues coming up within her life in this relationship that she very quickly entered and that she probably realized very early on within that relationship wasn't the right relationship for her. The question now becomes, is this only representative of the relationship I had with my ex-partner or is this likely to follow through within my life, within my next relationship? Something I tell people because I like to give people hope is that just because you've gone through something in your natal chart once does not mean that you're going to go through it again. This is kind of a lie. And the reason why it's a bit of a lie is because the level of momentum within our charts that caused those situations to manifest in the first place is stronger than most people realize. If you have spent the last 30, 40, 50 years of your life, living life in a particular way, who are you to think that you can just change that within the course of one month, one year, one whatever? Chances are, just as long as you're alive right now, it's probably going to take just as long for you to undo that conditioning. And this has to do with the principle in nature that the ancient alchemists refer to as salt and the ancient Indians refer to as tamas. And tamas and salt has to do with this substance that keeps all of us fundamentally bound 
in the circumstances that create our lives because those circumstances represent a level of familiarity that allows us to move through the world knowing ourselves. So in the same way as the tree isn't trying to be the frog and the eagle isn't trying to be the moon and the moon isn't trying to be the sun and the bee isn't trying to be the turtle, we at a very deep intrinsic level aren't really, really, really trying to transform ourselves overnight into some new version of ourselves that we've never known before. Because that is chaos. It's chaos to make that sort of change within our lives. Similarly, it's chaos to make that sort of change within our natal promise. She has a natal promise of divorce. She has the ruler of the first house in a square relationship to the Jupiter, ruling the seventh house, and the Mercury is applying to that square relationship. This is a natal promise of divorce. It's one of the corroborating factors of divorce. Added to that, all of the other things that we've already said. So the question then becomes, does she have the ability to alter this or to change this or to turn the tides of this within the next relationship? I always tell people that the answer is yes. And I say that to people because I think the answer is yes. Just because you've gone through something once before in your life does not mean that you have to go through that thing 10,000 other times within your life. So I believe that the answer to this question is yes. And if she desires to look at the story and say, okay, this is how that story manifested for me in the past. I'm not going to allow this story to manifest in the same way for me ever again. I'm going to put my foot down and tell a different story. Then in the future, the different story that she might tell is, I have a partner who gives me my space and who gives me my freedom and who doesn't dominate my life. I have a partner who doesn't have any addictive tendencies. He's not addicted to other women and he's also not addicted to alcohol. I have a partner who has his feet financially rooted on the ground. He isn't someone who's just wasting money and resultantly also wasting my own money. I have a partner who is stable, who isn't bringing more anxiety or more stress into my life because that person has both feet on the ground and instead of bringing me anxiety and stress and excitement that turns into stress, this person has the ability to bring me a sense of genuine peace and calm and satisfaction and happiness in love. I have a partner who, sure, might be an artist if he wants to be an artist, but at the same time, he is someone who knows how to make money from his artistic endeavors, which means that the monetary weight of our relationship isn't purely falling on my own shoulders. And ultimately, I have a partner who... I think those are all of the I have a partners. But ultimately, I have a partner who isn't going to turn my own monetary story into a story of stress either because he's going to equally carry the responsibility and the burden of our relationship with me so that that doesn't specifically land only on my shoulders. I think that all of this information that we got from her natal chart is very good information because based on us seeing how challenging her relationship life already was, it allows us to reverse engineer circumstances within her life that actually end up feeling 
good or it allows us to reverse engineer circumstances within her life from us knowing about these circumstances of her love life of the previous relationship, it allows us to make a laundry list of things that she can look for within her next relationship coming. She also has Chiron on the Venus-Mars midpoint. I oftentimes call the Venus-Mars midpoint the sexy midpoint because what's sexier than Venus and Mars? Basically nothing. So I believe Venus-Mars is the sexy midpoint. And oftentimes when we have Chiron on the Venus-Mars midpoint, that can represent a partner who cannot perform well from a sexual perspective. And so it leaves us feeling as if we carry this wound within our lives or this wound within our love life because even within the sex life, I find myself having to carry the weight of this relationship. And it can be a bit not nice for the person having to navigate all of that. I took up all of the time talking about the natal chart that she has and the natal promise that she has, which is very important because the best form of predictive astrology is natal astrology. We can't practice predictive astrology if we don't know how to practice natal astrology well. We have to be able to read a person's natal destiny before we can project that destiny into the future. So we have some understanding of how things manifested for her within the previous relationship. The final thing I'll say about the Jupiter-Neptune with the Jupiter being the partner is sometimes when we have our partner being Neptuned within our own natal chart, it can indicate that our partner is unwell. And I don't just mean unwell that the partner has an addiction, or something to that effect, it can indicate that the partner is genuinely also sick. And as a result of the partner being sick, I find myself having to take care of the partner. So that's another thing she can write on her laundry list of things she does not want to manifest within her next relationship. And she was born within the year 1989. She is still in the prime of her existence, which means she has enough life ahead of her not to replay this story again. As major as this story was, as huge as this story was, as impactful as this story was, she can choose to make the decision not to play this story again. So the question that she asked was, does my natal chart show me my next marriage since I've already been divorced? And the answer is no, it can't. However, what your natal chart does show you is the sort of relationship that you are more prone to find yourself attracted to or that you're more prone to end up in if you aren't making any conscious decision not to be in that sort of relationship setting again. So, I tell people your chart shows your first marriage. If you choose to repeat the same mistakes or end up with the same type of person in your second marriage, it is a problem of you. It's not a problem of the astrology. And similarly, with this, we can say to her that your natal chart shows a very challenging love life story and is challenging for all of the reasons that I've already indicated. However, if you, caller, have already been through these experiences, there's no reason in heaven or earth why you need to go through these experiences again because your natal chart shows what it felt like the first time around and now you have within yourself all of the tools and all of the abilities to say 
I feel what it looks like for me to live out that part of my natal destiny. And since I've already lived that, I'm going to plant the seeds of something else so that I can live the rest of my love potential within this lifetime with happiness and joy. And to that end, we wish this caller all the best. Oh my God, it was so accurate. <laughs> so many things you said um, are just what happened. And uh, I'm in the middle of that transformation. Um, so thank you, because it is true. I'm trying to write a different story. So this is just a reassurance for me to, to make it happen. Thank you. Awesome. Well, don't leave us on the cliff hanging. Tell us, I mean, if it feels appropriate for you and if you would like to, you could give us some of the things that really landed from what I said so that we all can learn a little bit more through your story, please. Yes. So I met my ex-husband while I was studying in, in university. Um, so that was... Uh, a perfect prediction or analyzation um, from you. And uh, then my next boyfriend after that, he was foreign. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I was not married to him, but he was uh, from Argentina. So you, go, you got both right. Um, both relationships have been too, too good to be true in the, in the beginning and they were very fast. Um, and uh, yes, the first uh, relationship, he was nine years older than me. So he did like take too much space and he did like control a lot of the things that I did and, and all of my life basically. And that was a big part of it. Um, the financial thing, yes, um, he controlled his money and I controlled mine. And there was a big separation on that um, because he was very or he was much more older than me so it was a big factor for me not to be sharing that aspect um in in a marriage you know it was very separate uh, from his decision so it was a big 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 factor of of what he he turned out buying a house for himself so that was a very a turning point a very important turning point for me to decide that I wanted to get a divorce. Um, uh, I have no children yet, but um, I do want at least one. Um, I studied my, my natal chart and, I, and that's what I saw, like one, one child, um, but I have no children yet. And um, yes, um, th there was a bit of infidelity and, and um, unfaithful uh, thing that happened with my uh, ex-husband uh, that I forgave but decided right now that I, I no never again you know because of what you said like I, I, I felt that and I experienced that and I do not want to to repeat it so right now um, I just I in my 33 years old I moved to another city changed my job changed my house changed like everything and did a 180 transformation to rebuild myself and really take a look at what I want in life what I want in in, in a relationship in a partner and, and in a marriage so yes it's chaos <laughs> but it's a big transformation and it's helped me a lot to redefine 
who I am and, and what I want. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that and I wish you all the best. Thank you. You're welcome. If you've enjoyed today's show, then please remember to hit subscribe down below. I'm currently on a mission to get 12,000 subscribers across all platforms, which includes YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify by the end of November 2023. And it's a tall order, but I'm pretty sure we can do it because we make some really good astrological content here on the Oraculous Podcast. So please remember to hit subscribe down below, hit the notification bell so that you receive notifications of when we come out with these episodes on a daily basis and please share 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 the oraculous podcast with your other astrologically minded friends so that more and more people can know about the amazing work that we're doing over here on the oraculous podcast